Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Special Edition. This is the third time that we're doing the Basement Talk Podcast Special Edition. I'm your host, Adam Caster, here again with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Bird, how you doing? We're still quarantined. Mr. Caster, we are, we are in fact still quarantined. Hopefully everyone again is continuing to practice self-isolation, self-quarantine, washing your hands, keeping up with your overall hygiene and is continuing to stay safe in what is uh, a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And, and it's, uh, it's only projected to, uh, to get worse. I know here in, uh, here in New York, it is, uh, it's a crazy, crazy uh, world out there. But, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully all the projections are right that says, you know, this will, uh, this will peak in two to three weeks, and then the, the come down will at least start. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're still talking about, Places like Florida that are still a month out from really, you know, hitting its peak. Um, Georgia. Well, Florida just just started uh, with the stay-at-home order, actually. Yes, it, like, yes. Governor uh, Governor DeSantis just uh, laid that out there. And, and honestly, he should have done that a long time ago um, because I do have, I do have uh, a family member that lives in Florida. And she was uh, saying to all of us, we had a, a family uh, Zoom conference call. Over the we weekend. have one of those Sunday. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, I, ha- I had mine on Sunday, too. And um, and she was telling us basically how, you know, it, it's business as normal down where uh, down where she is. And, and, and I was just I I literally couldn't fathom it. I was just like, OK, you know, and, you know, where she is, it's not like a, you know, a, com- a population full of young people. It, it's like a 55 and over, you know, sort of deal. So. We're talking it's like a condo. Yeah. My grandparents used to live in one of those. Right. Like in, before they moved up to Massachusetts, yeah. Right, and those are the people that are most at risk. So right. I, I would think that they would be the ones that are more inclined to really want to, you know, hunker down, stay inside, do what they got to do. But as far as she was telling us, you know, it, it's it's business as normal. And, and I mean, anybody anybody who's been listening to the, the press conferences that are going on every day, whether you're listening to – uh, in New York, whether you're listening to uh, Governor Cuomo, whether you're listening to Mayor de Blasio, or you're listening to uh, President Trump, uh, Vice President Pence, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, uh, they're all they're, they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying stay inside, stay indoors, stay away from people. And, you know, the sooner we all get on board with that and do what we need to do, the sooner this goes away, and I know I know it's inconvenient for everybody, you know, socially, and the, you know, everyone, everyone now has FOMO that they're you know missing out on something. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's going out. Everyone's staying in, and everyone's just going about their their lives. And we're lucky enough that we live in a time where you know, 2020, we have things like Zoom, we have things like Discord. You know, we're able to keep in touch with one another, and you know, have conversations, FaceTime. Uh, Facebook video chat, Instagram live, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, there's no such thing really as, you know, people not being informed about what's going on in the world or with their friends or with their family or whatnot, because you can still go and see that and you're just not going out and you're not seeing these people, unfortunately. All right. So let's move on to happier subjects, more lighthearted subjects, news and notes. So last episode of the Basement Talk podcast, you asked me how much 
Chris Godwin would pay Tom Brady to get his number 12. Yes, I did. And the while the terms of the deal were not disclosed, Chris Godwin is now wearing number 14 with Tom Brady wearing number 12. And it's actually kind of interesting because a lot of the times, well, some of the times when you have that sort of thing, uh, sometimes the player picks a new number. Because I remember, I don't know if you remember, well, we weren't alive, but you see it in uh, old NFL films footage. Joe Montana had to switch to, uh, what was it, 19? 19, yeah. Because uh, Len Dawson was number 16. Yes, and his number was retired by the Chiefs. So uh, that that's kind of cool. Um, other than that, you know, the NFL is still going on with the NFL draft, which who knows it, how well that's going to work. It's going to be it's going to be like a video conference, uh, still televised, I believe. Yeah, still televised. But, uh, it's not really going to be the same sort of thing where I can have, you know, the players going up to the stage in their flashy suits, giving high fives to Roger Goodell. But I mean, that's kind of the way that it was before where you had either Paul Tagliabue or Pete Rozelle announcing the names of the picks. And then you hear, uh, and then that's it. It's all phoned in at like a Sheridan hotel in New York. So we're kind of going back to that. And then the cool thing is that going back to video games, you have a lot of teams like my beloved New York Mets who are simulating the, the uh, postponed games. For the fans. Oh, on I didn't know games that. Games like MLB The Show, uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Wizards and the Capitals are uh, doing it with NHL and NBA 2K. So, yeah, uh, if you follow SNY on Twitter, you can see like a little some game recaps of them playing MLB The Show 20. It was pretty cool. On the opening day, on the opening day uh, game on the 26th, they actually had uh, Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling do like a little a little opening and open right before the game started like it was an actual Mets game. So honestly, I think that this is pretty cool just to give people something to fill the void. But uh well, they obviously that, they obviously are fishing for uh for content for sure. Well, I think it's kind of cool because Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I know I know what they're doing now. I know that uh, 2K is having a uh a player tournament where you know you're gonna have players like uh, Kevin Durant, I know is is a part of it. Where uh, the players will be going up against each other and playing uh, playing 2K. Um, Madden is doing their tournament on uh, Twitch, which by the way you can bet on if you are in uh, New Jersey, if you are in any other state or province or territory where uh, gambling is legal, uh, you can go and place wagers on the Twitch if tournament. If you not get a for, VPN for Madden, that's uh, yeah exactly. Or you can just get a VPM. Exactly. Um, I mean, it, there are things out there in which people can continue to to fill the uh, the void. But, you know, we're still seeing, you know, leagues and, and competitions and events, you know, postponed. I know UEFA, the, the biggest uh, football organization in Europe, uh, they just canceled the Champions League or they've postponed it indefinitely. Uh, they've postponed the Champions League, the Europa League, and all European qualifiers. Um, I know that Wimbledon this morning, they just uh, on Wednesday, they just canceled uh, the tournament. That's not going to go on as planned. Um, so, I mean, it really does open up a can of worms in terms of, you know, going to and talking about UEFA. And we were talking a little bit about it before we, uh, we came on here. Um, how do you resolve these uh, these European seasons, and how do you resolve just seasons in general? If you're talking about 
just American professional sports. You're talking about the NHL. You know, you're talking about their playoff push right now. The NBA, much the same deal. The Premier League. You know, we're getting close to the the end of the Premier League season. I believe there was somewhere in the range of like 12 to 15 matches to go uh, in in the uh, in the Premier League. Maybe a little less than that. And you know, yeah, I mean, talking about the Premier League for a second, then we'll get to talking about the NHL and the NBA, or maybe we fix this into uh, into one uh, one big discussion. But I mean, I don't I don't know how you are going to go about trying to finish a season without messing a future schedule up or even trying to work around any potential scheduling issues that would result in future postponements or, or, or things like that, or trying to get it where you are completely just making seasons, I guess, just completely out of out of sorts and on every level. Man, we should have called Ryan. <laughs> Ryan would have been great for this. <laughs> Ryan Ryan Genio on the Sucker for Soccer podcast, which you can find on Required Radio, uh, he would have been very, very good for this. And I don't even think Ryan would even have a uh, an answer to this because th- th- this is a big debate that everybody you're having. Do you reward Liverpool the tro- the, the title? You know, would how do you resort the uh, the top four spots for for European competition for next season? How the do you top resort seven really? Well. For European competition. Yeah, that's the top seven, right? If you were the top four for the Champions League, and then the the, the bottom the bottom three for uh, Europa League, and then the relegation spots too. How do you how do you even go about uh, doing that? And the answer the answer, quite frankly, is is I don't know because you're not gonna you're not gonna find a way to do this without pissing somebody off. I mean, it's it's just a matter of fact. It's true. Yeah, there's gonna be a knock on effect. For whatever they do because I mean you think about it you if you give Liverpool the title and then you put everything as is then you upset clubs like Leeds and West Barbara Albion who were looking to be promoted and for a club like Leeds you never know if uh, Marcel Bielsa might leave if they have to spend another season in the second tier of English football correct and then that might actually set them back for a couple of years because now they need to find a new manager and maybe uh, more players to play in in the championship. And then for uh, relegation, I mean, it's good for teams that were, that were looking to be headed towards the drop because they get to stay in the top flight for another season. Frankly, it's unfair either way. You're either doing a disservice to the uh, relegated team or to the promoted to the teams looking for promotion because you're not giving them a chance to get into the Premier League or you're doing a disservice to the teams that you'll eventually relegate because they'll say oh well you know we could have we could have uh, d- done like a Leicester in 2015 and done like a great escape and win six out of ten games and stay in the Premier League you're not giving us the chance to do that no you 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 are 100 we are 100 right and you look at you know what the teams in the championship right now are fighting for you know the Leeds, the West Broms. You know they are going to make an argument and say, "Look, we've been the best two teams in the championship by a sizable distance. Uh, we want to. We feel like we have a case to be promoted to the Premier League. And what it means for them, you know, for Leeds, we talked about maybe keeping their manager, but also for both clubs, they get the Premier League cash. And we all know it's that true. that teams teams in the Premier League get more annual money based on TV deals, based on ticket sales, things like that." Uh, more than any other league in in Europe and and perhaps the world in terms of of football and you know they want a piece of that pie and I mean and anybody does and the same thing can be said 
for teams like Watford and, and West Ham and Norwich and and Southampton, teams that are, you know, basically fighting fighting the drop right now, where you could say, well, if we are relegated right now and we don't have that, that capital, that cash coming in that we get from the TV deals, we might be screwed in terms of going under potentially as a, as a club and needing to sell our best players with no return in sight of when they can get back to to the Premier League. So it really is just a really just a tricky, tricky, tricky situation. I know in the uh, in the Bundesliga, uh, the four big teams there: uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, Bayern Munich, Bayer Leverkusen, and RB Leipzig. Uh, all contributed, I believe it was around 10 million euros a piece to help fund the rest of the clubs, the smaller clubs um, that with this time being off are perhaps suffering a little bit financially, which is very good on uh, those clubs' parts to uh, do their best to try and keep uh, Germany fo- German football alive while this virus does run its course. The- yeah, the lower league teams as well. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, I was telling Bird my uh, state allowed walk, my one walk allowed by the state per day. <laughs> and I was listening to an, a discussion between uh, Manchester United great uh, Gary Neville and Liverpool great Jamie Carragher. And I'm sure you know this, but Gary uh, Gary Neville owns a 10%, or 10% ownership stake in Salford City, yes. which is a club in League Two. Yes, along, along with his brother, along with Paul Scholes, and along with uh, Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butt. Yep. Anyway, uh, he was talking about um, how this might affect the lower league clubs uh, in the English Football League, which is the first four tiers of uh, soccer in England. And then also the non-league, quote-unquote, teams, which are the basically every tier below that. The, the National League, as it's called. Yeah, the, t- the town and county teams, yeah. Right, and how they are basically not able to pay a lot of their players because most of their money, as you go further and further down the leagues, most of their money comes from gate receipts. Yep. A propor- proportionally, more of their money comes from gate receipts because you're not, you're not getting a kit deal with Nike or Adidas or Puma when you're playing in the National League. You're not getting a sponsorship deal with some uh, oil-rich airline company when you're playing in the fifth tier, fifth tier of English football. So they need to make that money somehow. And with no gate receipts, with no games, then their major source of income has gone down the tubes. There is no income, just flat out. They're not making any money. They're, oper- they're operating at a loss. Yep. And this is it. This is the kind of thing where this might end up becoming a reckoning for uh, European football in general, where they might need to institute something like something like a salary cap or like a revenue sharing model so that these teams don't go under if something like this happens again in the next 100 years yeah i mean or there, 50 years or 25 years there's definitely going to be lessons learned from this and i i don't know you know how the how the clubs at the top would feel about that the clubs like uh the clubs like arsenal the clubs like liverpool the clubs like manchester united manchester city chelsea you know i don't, I don't know how they would feel about that necessarily you know in terms of having you know they have 
they have their own revenue stake. They make the most money out of any teams in England. You know, I don't know how they would feel about, you know, basic trickle trickle down economics in a way where, you know, if they're making money, everyone else just makes money because the, the smaller clubs are feeding off of what the big clubs are going to do. You know, I don't know how they would necessarily feel about that, but you're, you're 100% right. There needs to be some sort of stopgap emergency situation, situational affect that happens where, you know, if this something like this does happen again, you know, you have you have something that kicks in to save these clubs because the fact of the matter is we're not necessarily worried about the Premier League. You know, we're, they're going to be fine. But in terms of the lower league teams, the non-league sides, uh, the county teams, you know, those teams are in real trouble because, like you said, they make their money off of who is going and watching them play. And if nobody's going and there are no games to be played, these players are still getting paid. So if there's no money coming into these clubs, you know, we're talking about, you know, clubs that are that are hundreds of years old potentially shutting down because there's no income coming in. Simple as that. So let's move on to something more local. Let's talk about the the NHL, the NBA, and uh, baseball because that is going to be important as well. You have a lot of there was a lot of news coming out about a lot about teams in the NHL and NBA paying their part-time workers and with some very notable notable and horrible exceptions. Uh, most of the teams from the NHL and NBA were obliged to pay their part-time workers even though the games are postponed so the so those people can still have the income to live and survive in these trying times of course the boston bruins said fuck that and we're not going to pay anybody shit until the games are officially canceled hey adam yeah i just want to put this out there and i'll Mm -hmm. say i'm going to say this once i'll say it only once Fuck the Boston Bruins. Fuck the Boston Bruins, indeed. I thought you were going to contradict me. Thank God you were on my side. No, 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 no. Fuck the Boston Bruins. That if there is a if there is another move that is more scummy that's taken place during this, I want to know what it is because that that is just top. That they came out like they would they probably would have been better off. If they just said, you know what, we're not going to address this whatsoever, because at least they would have saved face a little bit. But the fact that their uh, ownership group came out and said, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to pay our employees during this until games are officially canceled. Go fuck yourself. So talking about that, talking about the sports, yes. the NHL, the NBA, baseball. Baseball, I mean, I think that they can potentially have a season. It's going to be real hard if they end up playing games in December. Because I don't think anybody wants to go to the Bronx in December for a playoff game or to Queens in December for a playoff game. No, 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 they do not. I can tell you that right now. You have the first snow out in Major League Baseball history. Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, no, that, that would be terrible. And I, and I actually want to make plans to go to a playoff game this year. I don't want to be going to a playoff game wearing uh, three layers of Under Armour, gloves, a knit hat, and a scarf. Like, no, no thank you. People think you're going to a Jets game, but you're actually going to Yankee Stadium. Yeah, you know I'm what? actually going to Yankee Stadium to go see the Yankees play when it's uh, sub 35 degrees out. Yeah, that that's that's exactly what I'm doing. That's how I'm spending my my Tuesday night in December, where I should be getting ready for Christmas. Right. So it's going to be a bit harder for the NHL and the NBA to decide what they're going to do about championships. 
so I'm sure you you know that the last time, well, the only two times that the NHL has never awarded the Stanley Cup since their existence was one in 2004-2005 lockout. lockout. And then the, the first time was the last time that we had a major pandemic. 1919, Spanish flu caused the Stanley Cup to not be awarded. Interesting. That one that one I didn't know. Yeah. You learn something new every day, Adam Caster. This is why we have you on the program. You you are right. you are king for providing just wonderful, wonderful facts. So what are we gonna do? So what do you think they're gonna do about this? Ooh. Well, I I mean I think I think when we talked about the Premier League, I think their options are a bit more concrete in terms of what they can versus what they can't do. I, I really think the most logical explanation in terms of what the NHL can potentially do is when they come back, if they come back, that's that's a big if, that they do start playoffs right away, and if there are any close races, they decide them based on overall share percentage, win percentage, whatever, schedule percentage, whatever, whatever it was. Points percentage? Points percentage, exactly. Yeah. That's probably the most realistic, easier, uh, I don't want to say non-controversial because Rangers fans be really pissed off if that happens, but I would be. I would be, I would be really pissed happens. off about it too. But I mean I mean just just talking about this, you know, from a, a very neutral perspective, it might be the easiest way to do it. I know that's what the majority of the players want to do to just jump right into playoffs and hope that you can have uh, some semblance of normality uh, when it comes to potentially next season. That's what all this looks for as well. You know, if you if you play over the summer, you know, what does next season look like? So are you really going to give, yeah. you know, two months off and you're going to have, you know, draft and free agency just happen in two months and then, you know, training camps and then, bam, preseason games and then, you know, season's going to happen in October on time after, not, after you're done playing games in – in July, maybe yeah, no. mid mid August. No, I mean I just don't see that potentially happening. Um, another option for both the NHL and the NBA is you could just say, you know what, scrap the season. You scrap the season and you say that it just didn't happen, and you go to your draft in June. You go to free agency in July. And you start anew again in October. I mean that 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 is like that's probably the nuclear scenario. I I would say, but you know if all I these would be projections, shocked if they do that, I would uh, yes. Let me put that out there that I would be absolutely shocked if any league just decides to say, you know what, we're going to treat this as if it never happened. Uh, that would be a very very big surprise. Because think uh, of all the crazy me. things that happened in this NHL season. That would go away if they said the season was null and void. Well, I think I think the stats would probably stay, but in terms of awarding, well, they just say they wouldn't award the Stanley Cup. They wouldn't award the cup. They would just null the season void from where the break happened. Yeah, because if we can say that Mika Zibanejad scored five goals against the Washington Capitals, I don't know what I'll do. And if we can't say that the Toronto Maple Leafs lost to a forty-two-year-old Zamboni driver that works for them, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I mean, this this is very true, and we do look for every reason on planet Earth to try and uh, try and have ammo against the Toronto Maple Leafs because 
fuck the Toronto Maple Leafs. So anyway, we've talked about this long enough. Let's move on to one of the main parts of the show, which is the NFL Mount Rushmore. So Bird, let us know how we're going to be doing this, this whole thing. Surely, Mr. Gaster. So what we have in store for everybody is you have heard the Mount Rushmores that we have done on the regular show with Brett, Tim, and Matt, who we are still working on the logistics of getting them back onto the show. They, that is not dead. Just putting that out there. They will be back. It's just a matter of when can we get everybody to come on and do a normal podcast where, you know, logistically it all works out and there's no corona issues or things like that. But in any event, so you've heard how we've done them on the normal show. So basically what we're going to be doing is we're building a Mount Rushmore choices of in segments of four of who we believe are the most impactful, best, legendary figures in NFL history. Adam will be getting the first pick. He'll be going first. I'll be getting the second pick and going second. That will be the first round. In the second round, we do a snake format as usual. So I'll be going first in the second round. Adam will be going second in the second round. And then back to snake. So in the third round, he'll be going first. I'll be going second. And then in the last round, I'll be going first. He'll be going second. And then we take time to discuss our Mount Rushmore's. So, Mr. Caster, are you ready? As the D-Generation X theme song says, are you ready? So my first pick is going to be a coach whose first name is Bill, but it is not. You son of a bitch. Going to be the one that you're thinking of. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, maybe it is the one you're thinking of. It's Bill Walsh. How could it not be Bill Walsh? How many teams in the NFL run the West Coast offense? About all of them. 100% 100% of the teams in the NFL. In some variation, some, yes. Some fe- semblance of the West Coast offense. Bill Walsh, one of the most influential coaches in NFL history. I mean, this is more an influential Mount Rushmore. I wouldn't say it's the best. I mean, I think Bill Belichick's probably a better coach, better man manager than uh, Bill Walsh. But if you look at both of their coaching trees, the influence of Bill Walsh permeates so much more than Bill Belichick. I mean, one of Bill Belichick's disciples traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a second round pick. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. One of Bill Walsh's disciples just won the fucking Super Bowl. So there you go. Andy Reid is part of the Bill Walsh coaching coaching tree. He is. He is indeed. I was was not even going to fact check you on that one because he most certainly is. Um, Okay, now, now time to put you in your place. Um, you were not going to say Bill Belichick. Um, I will say Bill Belichick. He is the greatest coach in NFL history by a million miles. Uh, he's appeared in nine Super Bowls, which is uh, ridiculous. Um, six Super Bowl wins, most of any team coach ever. Uh, he also won two Super Bowls as defensive coordinator, uh, so that – also says something too in terms of you know what kind of overall man manager and coach that Bill Belichick is. But then you look at his individual accolades on the NFL 100 team, four-time AFC Coach of the Year, three-time NFL Coach of the Year. Uh, Bill Belichick has done it all, and I mean if he if he really takes this Patriots team and has them still be competitive in 2020, minus Tom Brady, the guy who basically led the ship there. 
for as long as I've been alive and as long as I've known what football is, um, then Bill Belichick may be the greatest coach in professional sports, and I really don't think there's much of a debate in terms of uh, what kind of character, what kind of leader uh, Bill Belichick is. So Bill Belichick is my number one. He may be uh, the guy who leads he might be the George Washington of my of my Mount Rushmore I really really think so that he uh, will definitely uh, will definitely be that guy so we have Bill Belichick and Bill Walsh as our uh, as our first round picks for uh, for Mount Rushmore now I go for number two yes see now I gotta think here I gotta be strategic because I have a few guys in mind but I gotta think of what you're gonna do you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it. I I, I know you're not gonna have him on here, but I gotta put Bill Belichick's buddy on here, Tom Brady. You're right. I was never. I would never, never ever put a system quarterback on a mount on mount. Oh mud on. <laughs> oh my god. So so wait. So wait. What happens now if uh, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in uh, Tampa Bay? Is he a system quarterback still? No, he's not. Okay. So I I remember I will remember this moment that if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl this year in their own stadium, by the way, at Raymond James. If they win the Super Bowl this year, I will have you come on this podcast and I will have you utter the words, Tom Brady is not a system quarterback. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I look forward to not doing that. Okay. Okay. You're digging You're digging your own grave there, my friend, but... I mean, the, the accolades for Tom Brady, I mean, you could just go down the list. Six-time Super Bowl champion, four-time MVP, uh, four-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time most valuable player for the league, 14-time Pro Bowler, uh, three first-team All-Pros, second, uh, two second-team All-Pros. I mean, this guy has just done everything. You look at his career numbers, too. 541 touchdowns, 179 interceptions. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. That is basically saying for every five touchdowns, he threw one interception. That's absurd. That is absurd. And then, of course, you look at, you know, what he's done off the field, becoming basically an icon for basically what, you know, sports are and what, you know, what it means to be a man's man and, and, and things like that. Uh, if you want to put him in that, you know, you can. Obviously, you know, with Deflategate and Spygate, that has obviously put a little bit of a damper on uh, on Brady and Belichick. But for me, that doesn't take away any of their career accolades. And when you can take uh, a sixth-round pick, 199th overall, and you can turn him into the greatest quarterback that's ever lived, I think that really speaks uh, to what kind of coach Bill Belichick is and what kind of quarterback uh, Tom Brady was. And that perhaps could be the best duo uh, head coach quarterback duo that we've ever seen and probably will ever see in the history of the National Football League. So Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they have a special place on my Mount Rushmore. Okay, so I'm going to go with quarterback as well. And you're probably going to call me biased for picking this, but actually I have a pretty good reason for doing so. It's Joe Namath. Oh, for God's sake. Hear me out. Hear me out. So Joe Namath. This, this guy was the progenitor for the modern NFL star. Would you tell me that if Joe Namath was playing today, he wouldn't be playing Fortnite with Juju Smith-Schuster on Twitch? I mean, this guy was 
the first NFL player to have personality. And he basically turned the AFL into a serious contender to the NFL. Because we obviously weren't, we weren't alive. Not too many people. I mean, this is 1969. But when the Jets were going to play the Colts in Super Bowl three, not one person gave them a chance. Not one person besides Joe Willie Namath. He guaranteed the victory. And even though he didn't play too much of a part in the game, because really the running game was really what won the, the Super Bowl for the Jets, that game, quarterbacked by Joe Namath, who called his own plays, basically uh, put the AFL on the map and forged the path for this uh, the merger between the two leagues to be taken seriously. I mean, the merger was already in place, basically. But when uh, the Chiefs and the Raiders got got shellacked in the first two Super Bowls by Vince Lombardi, the NFL was probably like, "Well, you know, what do you, this this league is, is shit. Like, what are we gonna do?" But then Joe Namath beats Johnny Unitas for half a quarter and Earl Morrill for another half, and Don Shula's Colts basically. Don Shula was coaching the Colts. He Joe Namath went in to Miami and beat Don Shula's Colts and put the AFL on the map, put the Jets on the map and laid the foundation for the current NFL to this day. So there you go. The, my only rebuttal to that, um, I will agree that the, the guarantee was a, um, a, a very, uh, uh, how should I say this, a very big dick move by, uh, by Joe Namath. I, I, I will respect him on that front. But he may just be, until Eli Manning gets into the Hall of Fame and completely changes this, he might be the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame. Honestly, that's not a bad thing. That's not terrible. No, I'm not saying that it is because you have Tony Romo that probably won't be in the Hall of Fame, and Tony Romo is a better quarterback than both Eli Manning and Joe Namath. But I digress. Um, he, he won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl MVP. So you can't, you can't take that away from him much the same with Eli Manning. You know, two Super He's Bowls. Not, he was not a great quarterback. He didn't no. have great career numbers. No. He threw a lot of interceptions. He threw more inter- interceptions than touchdowns. It's a very Jets thing to do, really. It is a very Jets thing to do. So maybe it was a match made in heaven that Joe Namath was the quarterback for the New York Jets that won them a Super Bowl. But he did, you know, he won the most influential Super Bowl in history. So Mount Rushmore. There you go. All right. So you're, uh, so the second round, we have Tom Brady and we have uh, Joe Namath. So uh, Mr. Caster? You are up. The third round. Top of the third. If you take my last two, I may drive to Port Washington and break everything I just said at the top of the episode about self-isolation and self-quarantine, and I may murder you with my bare hands. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. <laughs> I don't this is this was a very tough one for me. Because there are there are a lot of players coaches and owners that I could really put here. And I think that I would be remiss to not put an owner like Al Davis on Mount Rushmore. Hmm, interesting. I would, I would be remiss. Much like Joe Namath, he was not your typical owner. He was a rebel. He, like, he forged his own path in moving the Raiders back and forth from uh, Oakland to Los Angeles and then back to Oakland again. And he got into a lot of legal battles with the NFL over said moves to Oakland and Los Angeles and Oakland again. 
But he, along with Lamar Hunt, who could have easily replaced him on this Mount Rushmore, were two of the founding members of the American Football League. And without them, you wouldn't have iconic teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Oakland Raiders, the Jets, the Bills, uh, the Patriots. The Titans were another team. The Titans, uh, yes. And the Chargers and the Broncos. I think Al Davis is definitely up there. For the type of owner he was, he won three Super Bowls. Uh, He was able to... Three Super Bowls with uh, two different coaches. Uh, Tom Flores won two, and then the immortal John Madden won one. And he's probably one one of the best and most influential owners in NFL history for... Uh, all that he's done with the with the league, uh, all that he did with the Raiders, and the fact that the Raiders were very much a team built in his image. You know, you see a lot of owners who are kind of laissez-faire, hands-off. I think of, like, uh, the Johnsons for the Jets. Like, you never really see a team built in that, in the person's image. Al Davis really put his heart and soul into the Oakland slash Los Angeles Raiders, who are now the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you right now that um, I I agree with everything you just said about the Al Davis. I did not have him in mind, but that is a really really good uh, inclusion that you have in your uh, your Mount Rushmore. And not to mention that the Raiders, in my professional opinion, uh, do have the best logo of any team in the National Football League. That's saying a lot coming from a Cowboys fan. It is. It it, it most certainly is. I would have the Cowboys very close uh, in there, but uh, for me, the Raiders. Um, I would probably put the Steelers in there too, and then and then Dallas. You know, it's it's interchangeable between two and three, but the Raiders being, you know, that that logo is iconic for for so many reasons. And having Al Davis on that Mount Rushmore, I I applaud you for that one, Mister Caster. That was a uh, that was a a very very good pick on uh, on your part, and you will not have any uh, any complaints from me on that one. Well, thank you. So, who is your pick? For your third Mount so, Rushmore head. I have back-to-back picks here to close this out of my four guys on Mount Rushmore. Um, I'm going with two members of the 1989 draft for this one. So, number one in that I swear draft. To God, if they play for the Cowboys. No. No, I don't have any Cowboys on here. Oh. Okay. So, num- number one in that draft was a cowboy Troy Aikman was taken number one in that draft number two was Tony Manerich by the Green, taken by the Green Bay Packers number three on that in that draft number three on my Mount Rushmore as well was a running back taken by the Detroit Lions by the name of Barry Sanders this is a nice pick let's see what you thank got thank you Thank you. Uh, Barry, 10-time Pro Bowler, 6-time First Team All-Pro, the most valuable player in 1997 when he rushed for over 2,000 yards in a season. Uh, It really was just so unfortunate when he retired before the start, after the 1998 season when he was only 1,457 yards short of breaking the all-time rushing record set of course, by Walter Payton, I believe, had that record. And then Emmett was the, yeah, then Emmett broke it. Um, 
I mean, look, I mean, there was just probably, I mean, if you want to talk about just someone that changed the running back position altogether and just really made people just go, oh, wow, Barry Sanders was that. I mean, the one run that I can think of off the top of my head was in the playoffs against the Cowboys when he just completely carved up the Cowboys' defensive line. I mean, I mean that that run is just only one of the iconic runs that Barry Sanders had over the course of his career, and he's still he's still an icon in Detroit. And quite frankly, the Detroit Lions have not been able to replace Barry Sanders since he retired after the 1998 season. That really does well, say might. a lot. What's that? I mean, in your eyes, they might they might just have. Well, well, don't. I'll be saying some very inappropriate things in this podcast, Mr. Caster. If we mention Carryon Johnson, great guy. Uh, that's my son. But Barry's, but Barry Sanders. I mean, probably one of the best running backs. I would even say the best running back, pure running back in NFL history. Uh, if you're putting him at the top of the mountain with Emmett Smith and, of course, Sweetness and uh, Walter Payton. Uh, and then my fourth. Do you notice something here, Mr. Caster? We've gone Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, Joe Namath, Tom Brady, Al Davis, Barry Sanders. What is the one thing we are missing on this list, would you say? We are missing some defensive players. That's true. We are missing some defensive players. Which is why I am here to fill the void. So going back and talking about the 1989 draft for a second, as I was playing on before. So number three, of course, was Barry Sanders, of course, taken by the Detroit Lions. Number four was the late, great Derek Thomas, taken by the Kansas City Chiefs. And then number five, taken by the Atlanta Falcons out of Florida State University, cornerback Deion Sanders. You know, I thought you were going to go Lawrence Taylor with that one. but You see, you see Lawrence Taylor was strongly considered strongly considered and it 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 actually breaks my heart that Lawrence Taylor is not on this list but in terms of I was looking for guys that completely changed the game and yes Lawrence Taylor did that you can make a case that Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player in the history of football, and I would buy every last bit of it. But if you're talking about a guy that changed what football was all about, Deion Sanders is that. Deion Sanders was that guy. The swag that he had, the confidence that he just oozed every time he was on the field. You could you could match him up with absolutely anybody, and there'd be no problems. You want to match him up against Michael Irvin? Done. You want to match him up against Jerry Rice? Done. It was no big deal for Dion. He would take on anybody, and odds are he'd be winning every single battle that you put him up against, no matter how good the receiver was. Won two Super Bowls, was in the Pro Bowl eight times, first-team All-Pro nine times as a corner, and then you include him as a kick returner and then as a punt returner in 1992 and 1998. Won the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1994 on the NFL 100th anniversary team, as is Barry Sanders, by the way. I should have put that out there. 
And then while in college, he, of course, won the Jim Thorpe Award for best uh, secondary player in the country's defensive back, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, it's in the Atlanta Falcons Ring of Honor. Um, Dion changed the game. He, he changed the game. and He changed what being a defensive player was all about. And he really proved that being a defensive player was cool. You know, it was cool to be a defensive player, you know, when he came in wearing the fancy clothes, the the, the shiny jewelry and all, and all of that. And he really came forth as like as that guy. And he really inspired a whole bunch of players. Now you're talking about some of the top defensive players in the game, the Stephon Gilmore's, the Jalen Ramsey's. These guys all looked up to Deion Sanders. And he was that kind of guy that really set forward what it meant to be a top corner, a playmaking corner, guy with speed, guy with flash, that was Deion Sanders, and that's why he is on my list. And I I am going to take so much flack for not putting Lawrence Taylor on this list. And I pray to God that you do, um, just so we can save face here for this exercise. But I, I have to go with Deion. I, I have to, I have to, I have to. And I did kind of lie a little bit when I said that, that there were no Cowboys on, on this list because, of course, Dion was a Cowboy. So, sorry about that. Well, I guess you were just uh, trying to not spoil the surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, let's go with that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I honest, honest to God, honest to God, the truth, um, I was very well prepared to put Lawrence Taylor in here. And I changed it literally 10 seconds before I opened my mouth. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about it, but I don't know. I lo- Listen, Lawrence Taylor, definitely. I think he could easily, he could walk in to both of our lists. Yeah, oh, like, absolutely, without a doubt. No controversy. But I think one player that should also be on this Mount Rushmore is Peyton Manning as well. Hmm. Peyton Manning made quarterbacking cerebral again where a lot of the times you know you had uh bill walsh you had coaches like bill walsh mike holmgren they had a set offense they had a playbook and the quarterback was just like okay give me the plays i'll do it peyton manning was the offensive coordinator when he was with the colts and to some extent where he was the offensive coordinator with, when he was uh, with the Broncos for the twilight of his career. And he probably was not, I wouldn't say talented per se. He was talented, of course. But he didn't have like the running ability that you see from a Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Everything that, Peyton Man- everything that was great about Peyton Manning was all in his mind. He was so good at reading defenses pre-snap. Uh, he was incredible at, uh, well, just reading defenses in general, making decisions on the fly. Uh, I mean, it helps having probably two of the best receivers to ever play the game in uh, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. But honestly, I think that Peyton Manning would still do pretty well if he didn't have Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Peyton Manning, much like uh, other players, like the great, some of the greats, he made everybody around him better. I mean, look at Eric Decker, Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas. I mean, you want to talk about a product of Peyton Manning, Julius Thomas is definitely one of those people. And 
you have you have a quarterback who not only makes people better around him, not only is he a student of the game, but he plays court he plays football like it's chess. And there hasn't been a quarterback since who does what Peyton Manning does. And also not to mention when Peyton Manning retired, he basically had any he had every meaningful quarterbacking uh, record whether it be passing yards, passing touchdowns, or and the like. He uh, broke all of those from uh, Brett Favre. So yeah, Peyton Manning is my four. Lawrence Taylor would definitely be up there also. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. And of course, the records that still hold for Peyton Manning, most passing touchdowns in the season with 55, most passing yards in the season with 5,477, and of course, most touchdown passes in a game was seven when Peyton Manning did it against the Baltimore Ravens in 2013. Um, yeah, I, I have no disagreements with, with Peyton. Um, and I go back to what you said about making guys better. You look at Demarius Thomas. What was Demarius Thomas without Peyton Manning? Nothing. What was Eric Decker without Peyton Manning? Not a whole lot. What was, Julius, what was two receivers that played for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what was Julius Thomas without Peyton Manning? Nothing. So, I mean, Adam, I I went into this with you talking about Peyton, and I said, oh, boy, oh, boy, because I, I really didn't know if I agreed, but then you went on your spiel, and you gave me the reasons, and you, you sold me on it. You really, really, really did, and and I'm I'm okay with that. I We're going to take a whole sh- a shit ton of heat for not putting Lawrence Taylor in here, but you know what? Lawrence Taylor would walk into any of these teams. Just fact of the matter, but at the end of the day, um, we have our lists, and here they are. So we have Adam has Bill Walsh, Joe Namath, Al Davis, and Peyton Manning. I have Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Barry Sanders, and Deion Sanders. A lot of uniformity in your list. (laughs) I I have a lot of alliterations in my list. Bill Belichick, uh... Well, I really shouldn't say it in an alliteration with Barry Sanders and Deion Sanders. I just have a list full of Sanders. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Sanders, and then uh, Belichick and Brady. Who would who would you say is the uh, the George Washington of your uh, your list? Because I have my list is I, my George Washington is Bill Belichick, and it's not close. My George Washington is probably Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Okay. Well, yeah. you picked you picked number one overall, so that 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 makes sense. Was there? Um, was there anybody that I particularly stole from you? Because you, you didn't have anybody you stole from me. I was actually kind of shocked. Uh, no. There wasn't anybody. I mean, I was definitely thinking about it. Honestly, I kind of didn't start thinking about defensive players until a while into planning this. Because mm-hmm. when you're talking about like influential players, a lot of the times, a lot of the, a lot of the narratives, a lot of the focus shifts to coaches and quarterbacks and owners. Sure. So... Um, otherwise, I knew I was probably wasn't gonna pick Belichick or Brady because of reasons. Yeah, I, I honest, honestly, I should have kept Belichick and Brady um, until the end. But the fact of the matter is, is that I, I, I knew you weren't gonna pick them, but they, they needed to be mentioned first because when, when you call, you know, I have, I have greats on, on my list. I have the greatest head coach potentially in NFL history. I have the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I have the greatest running back in NFL history. And I have the greatest cornerback in NFL history. Yep. Well, I have it's a lot a, of greats. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, I have arguably the greatest quarterback in NFL history and probably one of the greatest coaches in NFL history and probably the greatest owner in NFL history. So you're talk, are you talking about Joe Namath or are you talking about Peyton Manning? <laughs> Peyton Manning. Obviously, <laughs> Peyton Manning. Oh, oh boy. Well, that, so, was that, was, that, was, that was a lovely exercise. So, Bird, what, uh, what players didn't make the cut for you? What players were, I mean, we already talked about Lawrence Taylor, but players that were like yeah. just on the cusp of it. Um, well, Mr. Cowboy, Bob Lilly, he was uh, on the outside looking in that I, I, I really did consider. Uh, putting on this on this list, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was another one that I really thought about. Um, Bo Jackson was another one that I thought about. Um, O.J. Simpson was one that I thought about. Michael Vick was one that I thought about. Uh, Emmett Smith, of course, sweetness, one that I that I thought about as well. Um, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr, uh, Brett Favre. Those are all all guys that I really did uh, did consider uh, for this list for this list. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with with my uh, with my four. And outside of uh, of not putting Lawrence Taylor in this list, um, I, I I don't think many people are gonna have too uh, too many complaints. I think maybe maybe the one complaint that we'll have is that uh, we put a co- we put uh, two coaches and an owner on uh, on this list, and that was uh, well, it's influential. And that was that. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's influential exactly, and you really yeah. can't have a Mount Rushmore uh, of NFL figures. Without putting Bill Walsh and uh, Bill Belichick on on that list, I, that that would be more of a crime for me if I left out Bill Belichick instead of leaving out Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, for me, I was thinking about you know players, people like uh, Chuck Knoll, Terry Bradshaw, hmm. John Madden, definitely. Yeah, sure. Um, Don Shula. Don Shula, definitely. Joe, as Joe well. Gibbs. Joe Gibbs, uh, George Hallis, Vince Lombardi, yeah. uh, Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was I was about to say Drew Drew Brees. Drew Brees, definitely Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees. I I know it's your guy. I I was actually very very surprised you you did not put uh, Drew Brees in here. I I was kind of shocked. I I would have it would have taken it would have given me a lot more work to justify putting Drew Brees on this list than really? John Namath. You, you, you see, I don't think so. I think a lot of people would have been okay with you putting Drew Brees on this list over someone like, well, Al Davis. I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but I, I think you would have had an easier time justifying it uh, with putting Drew Brees in here over both Joe Namath and Al Davis. I think it would have been an easier sell. True. True. I mean, he, he's definitely more contemporary. Well, can you can you at least admit to the to our lovely audience and to me that uh, Joe Namath was more of a, uh, I need to put him on this list just to keep myself mentally sane sort of pick? A little. I was. He's okay. definitely one of the people that I thought of like first just because, you know, Jets fan and all. Super Bowl, influential Super Bowl, forced the merger, that sort of thing. I mean, I yeah, talked the la- about— the last, the last great moment that you've, uh, you've had as a Jets fan. I wouldn't say that, and weren't alive for. Okay, I w- well, maybe, I would not. Well, maybe maybe when you beat the Patriots in Foxborough. There you go. That would that was probably it. Okay, all right, that's fair. I mean, uh, another guy. I think Lamar Hunt would, de- which is what I talked sure. about him in the uh, in the Al Davis thing. Yeah, uh, Lamar Hunt would have been up there. Uh, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice definitely. I, I have one more that I could add to mind. Roger Staubach. That was another one that I really considered the uh, the first and only. Uh, 
draftee that went number one overall that was taken out of a U.S. service academy. Well, that is that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Johnson probably would have been up there as well. True. 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 Tom Landry. Yep. Jerry Jones. This is definitely the cowboy fan coming out in me now. Um, God, I really feel bad that I just did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You really should have. That was a bad call on your part. Uh, did I mention Michael Irvin? I, you see, I don't know if I really would have put Michael Irvin on there. Here, Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Is there any – I mean, we talked about Drew Brees. We talked about Tom Brady. We talked about Larry Fitzgerald. Are there any other current players right now that you would really consider putting on this list? Any current players? Any current players outside of the ones that we've talked about? Huh. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Because I would have put, like, Patrick Mahomes, but he was inspired by Michael Vick. Same, I guess. With, Lamar, same with Lamar Jackson. Same, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have not have put Mahomes or Jackson anywhere near this list. Not yet. But they both were inspired, yeah, by Michael Vick. That's what, um, and that's the reason why I put Michael Vick uh, close to this list was because a lot of the quarterbacks of today, the Patrick Mahomeses, the Lamar Jacksons, the Russell Wilsons, they're real, they're, they are inspired by, by Michael Vick. Without, my, without Michael Vick, you know, we probably don't have any of these guys, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would put Russell Wilson close okay. as well just because of what he did for, short, for short, shorter quarterbacks. Him and Drew yeah, Brees I, I both. Mean, I mean, just talking about Russell, Russell Wilson before we get into our, our last segment, um, I really don't know if there is a more underappreciated figure in the NFL today, and you could probably put him in, in terms of one of the most underrated players that the NFL perhaps has ever seen in Russell Wilson, because I just don't see him getting the same amount of love as Lamar Jackson does, or like even even like even like Dak Prescott does. And I I love Dak. I love Dak. Don't get me wrong. Even even Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson's better uh, than Dak, though, which is cr- which is the crazy thing. That, well, I mean, yeah. you could you could make you could make a very good case that Russell Wilson is better than Lamar Jackson. I I would hear it. I yeah, I would I would think so actually. I mean, you could you could make a, I would say Russell Wilson is better than all three of those quarterbacks just based on skill set and skill set alone. Obviously, now obviously what Lamar Jackson does with his feet is something we haven't seen since Michael Vick. But in terms of what he can do with his feet, and then you add the combination of what he can do with his arm as well, you know, that's that's something to definitely consider. But I mean, I think I feel like every time we had these conversations of you know who the greats are, Russell Wilson is just consistently overlooked, and I I don't understand why. I think it's because he had a lot. He peaked pretty early. True. Because he won the Super Bowl with the Seahawks in his second year in the league. And then he was on the receiving. He threw the interception that lost. To Butler. To Malcolm Butler, right. That lost Super Bowl 47, 48. I believe so. Yeah. Something like that. It was 49, actually. Super Bowl 49. Super Bowl 49? Okay. Yeah. So you're saying that the narrative would be changed on Russell Wilson if he had thrown that touchdown, or Marshawn Lynch ran it in that Super Bowl if he were a two-time Super Bowl champion instead of a, one, a one-time Super Bowl champion. Well, not correct? just that, but also back-to-back Super Bowl champion. Right, exactly. And then that like it changes the whole team as it's well. True. because No, then, you're right. You know, players wouldn't get traded. Like, th- there wouldn't be tons of rifts 
uh, in the with ownership with uh, Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas. I think people would be a lot more happy. You know, I was th thinking about that. Thank you for bringing that up because Darrell Revis, I could have put on this list also. I could have made a case for Darrell Revis or Richard Sherman. True. Good point. So anyway, let's move on to the next segment that we are going to do, that we, that we are going to do, present tense yes. here. And it is a fill in the blank. Yeah, we're, re we're really fishing for content here, Mr. Caster. So uh, we had a few of our listeners submit questions to us. I forgot to write who asked what question. I'm an idiot, so thank you. Just a very general thank you to uh, everyone that submitted these questions. These are all not sports-related questions. I want to put that out there. I want to preface this. Mr. Caster does not know the questions. I put the questions together about 20 minutes before uh, this started, and I have not really thought about them. Um, so we're going to get right to it. Well, so, you're being honest. I'm be I'm, no, I'm being 100% honest i have not thought about these some are very straightforward others are not which will require a little bit of thinking so um let's just get right to it so the first question that i have for you and you can lead this off and we'll just go we'll go back and forth between who answers uh, the question first so number one mr caster in all the major sports so i guess if you want to if you want to you can include whatever you want okay blank Blank are your childhood heroes. That one is very straightforward for me. Yeah, it is very straightforward. In all four or five, I get. I mean, it's not going to be MLS because I only just started getting into soccer. So four, four major sports. My childhood heroes. Oh God, it's really dated. I used to love Carlos Beltran, but now I feel really dirty saying that. No, no. If that if that's your if that's your personal take, you can go ahead and say it. I know. Well, when he was playing for the Mets, I loved Carlos Beltran. Yeah, that's he was fine. One of, he was my favorite player, and and that's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I won't hate on you for that. Of him. Yeah, I, I won't hate you for that. Even though even though he's a cheater, I, I he won't, a cheater. I, won't ha I won't hate you for that. Yeah. No. Okay, so Carlos Beltran. Do you have any, any anybody else? Curtis Martin, definitely. Uh, okay. Running back for the New York Jets. All right. Uh, for the, uh, the Knicks were terrible when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't really too into hockey either. So, yeah, no, that's basically it. Okay. So, for Major League Baseball, uh, my childhood hero, without a shadow of a doubt, was Alex Rodriguez. Love, love me some A-Rod. Still love him. I wouldn't Great. doubt you that, even though he's a cheater. Great guy. He's, he's not a cheater. That's all, all legend, all legend. Um, my football hero should come as no surprise to anybody that knows me. It is, of course, number nine, Tony Romo. Uh, my hockey hero is, of course, the Adonis himself. Number 30 plays in goal for the New York Rangers, Henrik Lundqvist. Of course. Um, my basketball hero growing up. Ooh, you know, you know. I could be I could be that guy and, and say you know Kobe because I have a lot of LA connections and I I have family that lives in LA and I I've, I've been to LA just more times than I can count, um, but you know I wasn't really a big Kobe guy when I was younger when I was re when I was really young, I would say that my basketball hero was probably was probably 
Allen Houston? You know, I was going to say that for the Knicks, but yeah, I was just like, yeah. you know, the Knicks were so bad. <laughs> and like, this yeah. was like bad Allen Houston. This was not. I would I would say Allen Houston. If I want to say not necessarily childhood, I would say definitely than Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Just because I don't think I've ever been happier as a Knicks fan than when the Knicks traded for him. I didn't really give a shit about the price. I just said, holy shit, we're getting Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so then there's that. Only when and you're then, older do you realize that the Knicks could have just waited four months and gotten him in free agency, not giving it, up half the team. It, bingo. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, for for soccer, for football, Arsenal, uh, of course, it's the king, uh, Thierry Henry. I think on one of the episodes of the podcast, either maybe it was when we were on a sucker for soccer, I said that I loved Thierry Henry, but for when he played for the Red Bulls and not for when he played for Arsenal. <laughs> Disgraceful. And then you almost punched me in the face in the studio. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, believe me, I, I, I remember. So what's the next question? So the next question, for, and this, now this, now this is a loaded question. Blank. Is the greatest movie of all time. The greatest movie of all time. The greatest movie of all time. Yeah. And this is the one that I was thinking about because I am so scared to get it wrong. I don't think there's a <sighs> wrong answer. There is a wrong answer. Well, there are there, wrong there, there answers. Are, there are many wrong answers, yes. Um, but I have it narrowed down to three. I have it narrowed down to I, – I really just did it in terms of – what my favorite movies of all time are, and then I just narrowed it down to three. Uh, so I have uh, Godfather Part Two, I have Casablanca, and then I have Shawshank Redemption. See, greatest of all time is a loaded, is pretty loaded. It's a very loaded question. Yes, because you know Citizen Kane was was fantastic great, film. Was great because it innovated a lot of uh, filmmaking techniques. Correct. That are used today. Right. And the Godfather movies are great because they the story the yeah, story was great the story was great and they made you root for the bad guys correct which is why I mean the Godfather part two is what is one of my favorites I mean Goodfellas as well Goodfellas is, is wonderful with uh, the its use of the the long take love that love the long love take. that right. <sighs> recently. And recently, like a bird, have you ever seen Birdman? I have seen Birdman. Birdman so was good. absolutely was absolutely wonderful. Even though they took my name, but you know what? Either way, they they can borrow it. And then the Shawshank Redemption is definitely up there too, because oh, man, I mean, it's a great adaptation. Probably one of the best mo- book adaptations to a movie I've ever seen in my yeah. entire life. I completely agree with you. And you know what? I am gonna say Shawshank Redemption. I'll probably say the and, Godfather. Part I mean, two. I mean, uh, you know what? Or Star I Wars. don't. I don't blame you, but you know what? I really don't think that there is a character that I have ever rooted harder for in my life than Andy Dufresne, quite frankly. And Tim Robbins plays him absolutely wonderfully. And then, of course, my man Red Ellis Redding, played of course by God Himself, Morgan Freeman. Literally, um, if you've seen Bruce Almighty, literally God. <laughs> Exactly, um, and I mean, I mean, it. That movie is just—it's everything. It is everything that you want in terms of a riveting story, 
in terms of something that you just feel absolutely sick about and then the story that he takes to get back and then finally, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it, then skip the next 15 seconds. And then finally, at the end, when Red is finally paroled and he's out, that is just, oh, that was wonderful. Wonderful scene. Um, And yeah. So uh, definitely the Shawshank Redemption for me is well, the one, uh, one movie that I didn't that I forgot to mention that I sort of mentioned in passing. Also, Star Wars is definitely up there. The Empire Strikes Back. Amazing. Okay, all right. I, I I thought Adam, I thought you were going to go ahead and say one of these newer bullshit ones. I was about a freak. No, no, no. The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, good. All right, one of good. The, one of the so, greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Good. Good. All right, we could still be friends. All right, number three, you're up. Uh, blank is the best place you've ever been to. Now, when I wrote this question down, I wasn't sure if they were talking about like a a, a place of commerce. Are we talking about a vacation spot? Um, the, the clarification that I got in this one was vacation destination. Ooh. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, Florence. Like Italy. <sighs> Italy in general. Do, oh. I have to pick a, do I have to pick a city? <laughs> no, you don't pick a city. You can just okay. say Italy. Italy. You could, you could just say Italy. I went there for um, 10 days for my sister, uh, visiting my sister when she was studying abroad in Florence. Best 10 days of my life. We, it was around Easter. Mm-hmm. Fucking crowded as hell. We went to the Vatican during Easter. It's oh, like going good to luck. Black, it's like Black Friday. I but, don't doubt but, it. But for Christians. I don't doubt it. Um, The best place. Well, we, just re- we recently just went to Japan for my cousin's wedding. That was absolutely awesome. Um, Cancun was okay. Been to Punta Cana. That was cool. Punta Cana. Oh, Punta me too. Cana was sick. That was really fun. Uh, I would say the best place that I've ever been to, and the one place that I will say that I definitely want to end up in my life, is Montana. Went to uh, went to Whitefish, Montana. God, that is random. That's really random. Yeah, very random. Very random. Yes, but it is the most beautiful. Just it's desolate it's quiet it's just it's land and country for as for miles and that's just me i like it i like it slow very it's like it's very ironic considering i live in you know basically in the backyard of new york city but in any event uh yeah it was the it's it's been it's the prettiest place that i've ever been to it was between that and alaska for me um but i'll i'll say montana i'll say montana for that one second place Uh, for me is israel Israel was really fun. When I went on birthright, so much there fun. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Good move. Good move saving yourself there. A lot of shawarma. Uh, oh, shawarma is <laughs> so good. I had It's like all we ate. <laughs> it was incredible. I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised one bit. Uh, it, number four. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, if you can recall, if, big if, blank is the worst sports take you have ever had. Oh, God. The, the worst the sports take worst I've ever had. sports take. Yeah, uh, maybe at the start of every NFL season, saying the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl and this would finally be their year. Those are some pretty terrible ones. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with that. If say, I'm thinking I'll, I'll, recently, I'll say the, Cow- the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl every year. If I'm thinking, and the Cowboys, the Cowboys yeah. are winning the Super Bowl this year. By the way, just pointing that out there. Okay. Well, I mean, at least if they win the Super Bowl, I won't have to go on air and say that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, you'll be doing a show by yourself if if, uh, 
if you're on air, if the Cowboys win a Super Bowl, because odds are, if, whether it's a day or five days after, I'll still be hungover. But uh, worst sports take I've ever had. I think it's probably, well, on this show, I did say that Hunter Henry is going to be a Hall of Fame tight end. What are you talking about? That's a wonderful take. Mm-hmm. If that's if that's going to be yours for the sake of uh, carrying on this no, exercise. No, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be mine. Okay, good. Um, another one is that the Rangers shouldn't have traded away all of their players in 2017, uh, 2017-18. Yeah, that's a pretty terrible one. Uh, also, when I was little, that uh, Mike D'Antoni was a terrible coach. Um, when he was with the Knicks. That he, that he was the well, when he was with the Knicks, the Knicks yeah, but... Yeah, but he needs he needs teams that can score 130 points and not allow 131 points. So, yeah, I, I'm still not convinced that Mike D'Antoni's a good coach. But maybe maybe if we do this exercise again in 10 years, uh, maybe when we have this question again, maybe then my worst sports take will be that Mike D'Antoni is good, is, was a bad coach. Yeah. Possibly. Also, the uh, that I hated the Derek Stepan trade. That was also that's also a bad sports take. <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, well it didn't work out for uh, for both sides. Probably the biggest the biggest winner what? in that was Tony uh, Oh no, not though. true. Not true. That was Tony that was Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. That's true. Well, I was think I was thinking more of uh we got that fir- like we got that first round pick that turned into Leah Sanderson. Oh yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. That 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 was a Debbie Downer there. But we do have Tony D'Angelo. Great guy. Yep, works out. Number five, and uh this is for me, I think. I think this is for me. Yeah. Like it specifically? Is. No, 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 no. I'm saying whose turn it is. Oh. Uh, Adam, me, Adam, me. Oh, no, this is you. Uh, number five. Blank is a time you've been most let down as a sports fan, Adam. Oh, God. Considering all the teams I root for. This one this one cuts deep. This one really cuts deep. There have been many. How many times have my teams, let's see, uh, the Jets losing two straight AFC Championship games, the Mets losing the World Series in five games, the Rangers losing in double overtime to the Kings. <sighs> Fuck you, Adam. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably that. I mean, I wasn't alive when the Knicks blew it in the uh, 94 finals. So I couldn't say anything like that. But yeah, no, that'll be it. Oh, also when the Jets lost to the Bills in 2015 in week 17, where all they needed to do was win and, make, it, and make the playoffs. And then they lost. That's a tough one. To Rex Ryan, yeah, mine, mine, without a doubt, is the Rangers in that overtime when that defender uh, scored the goal against us. I can't even say his name; it make it makes me sick. If you want to go ahead and say it, you you can. Oh no, it was uh, it was Alec Martinez. Oh, Blech. that's right, it was Alec Martinez. Fuck, and Gabriel yeah, was on that him. team too. Fuck him. Ugh. Fuck Alec Martinez. If Alec Martinez finds a way to listen to this podcast, fuck you. He's in, yeah, whatever. He and plays for the Golden Knight. He plays for the Golden Knights now. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah, we can move on from that question. That question was really painful. Now, I, now I just want. Now I just want to cry. Yeah, me too. The day the Rangers win the Stanley Cup is a day I can die in peace. That's right. Uh, number six. This is for me, and this is easy. This is an easy one. Blank is the best dinner dish, and for me, that is surf and turf. Ooh. Chicken parm nice. is my favorite. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one too. But yeah, I like a little little uh, little filet mignon with a little, little lobster tail or a little like lobster truffles. Mm, mwah, mwah, molto bene. Either chicken mm. parm or steak. 
like a good steak, one. like a nice steak That's dinner with potatoes and asparagus. That's a very good one. After this podcast, I'm going upstairs and I'm making uh, I'm making stew and mashed potatoes for my family and I for uh, for dinner tonight. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. On uh, Sunday, okay, my mom made Go chicken ahead. marsala. It was amazing. Oh, I love chicken marsala. Mwah, voila. I'm getting real hungry. What's the next question, uh, Bird? I'm getting real hungry too. We need to move on from this before I just literally just start eating my table over here. Uh, oh, oh no, this is a really tough question. Okay, number seven. In your opinion, blank, blank, and blank, we have three fill-in-the-blanks here, are the three best TV shows out there, and then we have a follow-up of asking for a friend because everyone is looking for TV shows to watch now. So, Adam, go ahead and the three best TV shows out there right now, what are they? So, first one... Should be a no doubter. The Sopranos, obviously. That's true. That's Incredible. true. You, you can rewatch the Sopranos. Okay, if we're if we're taking it from that angle, oh, is it current can... or past? No, no, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. So I guess you can go with past uh, past shows. I think well, you that's can watch. Fine. I mean, it's on HBO because you can watch the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, nobody's doing anything, so you could definitely go and watch the Sopranos. Yeah, I'll allow it. If you're into into like anime, uh, Cowboy Bebop is definitely up there as well. The, it's a show about uh, space is about bounty hunters in space, but it's not really about bounty hunters in space. It's more about like you know, the the characters. Each episode is kind of like a mini movie. It's really it's really well done, and and the soundtrack is incredible. It's very like the it's evocative of like the the black exploitation jazz of the seventies. And if you can really hear that in the opening uh, theme song and it it's one of my favorites and then number three number three is breaking bad so i have no idea what the second one is the sopranos is a fantastic call uh breaking bad is an excellent call so you have two out of three that you that i fully support well yeah i mean it's not like it's like it's an anime but it's not really like a typical anime it's it's more like it could easily be a movie but it's just drawn it's it's animated that's it so my three i have i have two for sure uh one is westworld new season of westworld just came out it's it's interesting it's interesting but it's worth it really 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 worth it um number two is another hbo show i'm gonna go for entourage Ooh. and and for any anybody who's between the ages of we'll say I'll say like a junior or a senior in high school to probably just like a few years out of college, so like the college years included and then a few years out of college, if you haven't watched Entourage, that's what you should be doing during this time. You should be washing your hands, you should be in self-isolation, self-quarantine, and you should be watching Entourage because it's a very easy watch. Each episode is like 30 minutes, if that. So you could kill very easily. You can kill a season of Entourage in a day very easily because each episode is 30 minutes. And it is a wonderful, wonderful program. Ari Gold might be one of the best characters ever coined in television. I'm just pointing that out there. Just saying. Uh, And number three, I'm going to go with with my program. I love this show. I'm going to take flack for it, but I don't care because I have 
I have gotten many people on this bandwagon that this is a show that is a must-watch for all people, and that is The Bachelor. That is a wonderful program. God damn it. Why? Just, just, I, why? <laughs> Mr. Caster, okay. We're going to have this conversation now. You ready? All right. So, when football season is over, right? Yeah. When is Monday Night Football? Well, usually there's hockey or basketball. Well, yes, but when is there? When is Monday Night Football? It's at eight thirty at night. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very Mondays. good. Very, very good. So, The Bachelor very conveniently is on at eight o'clock on Mondays. It goes from eight to ten. So you have right there. Usually, you have like a three and a half hour window where you are usually watching Monday Night Football, right? You then can take your talents in terms of playing fantasy football. You could take your talents and then start playing fantasy bachelor. You can make your fantasy team with the bachelor and then you can watch the bachelor and you can continue to drink while you're watching the bachelor because red wine or rosé always goes well with the bachelor. And you can continue to watch it and what's what's so bad and I'm going to sound very demeaning but you know, this is a podcast, and people know what they're getting into. There's a little e. There's a little e next to the, the description, anyway. Um, what's the What's so bad about looking at pretty women for two hours? You know, chase after one guy. I, I don't see a problem. And there's lots of drama. We love drama. This sounds like a podcast that is separate from this podcast that I want no part of. This, sounds- this is a wonderful segment. We do bachelor discussions on the on the legit podcast, and they are wonderful. They are they are rich in content, Adam. You are missing it. I don't know. There, are, when when one sport is over, another sport rises to take its place. That is my that's my mantra. Let me let me ask you. Um, have you have you seen an episode of The Bachelor? I have not. Okay, so your homework now is I want you to watch an episode of The Bachelor, and I want you to report to me on the next episode how it was. Okay. Just and if, it was te- if, it, if it's terrible, then you can tell me it's terrible. I will warn you right now, it is not great television. I'm warning you that it is not. If you're looking for something that's rich, that's rich in terms of you know storytelling and things like that, it's terrible. But if you're looking for something that's highly entertaining, rich in content, and you can just just piss yourself laughing over the bachelor is it see the bachelor sounds like one of those shows where like when my sister used to live at the house and i walk past her watching like the real housewives like what the fuck is this why are they arguing about this this me this means nothing (laughs) well the bachelor's not it the bachelor they're looking for real love adam they're look they're looking for real love that they're gonna get married and live happily ever after over okay I mean, good for you. <laughs> like you know, everybody has has their thing that they're into. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge you because everybody has their vices. Yeah. Uh, okay, number eight. We have uh, one, two, three, four. We have five more questions. So let's see if we can power through these. Uh, eight. Blank is the greatest athlete you have ever seen, and we're talking about actually like on television or since you've been alive. So I can't say Bo Jackson because I've never seen Bo Jackson. But if I could say Bo Jackson, I would say Bo Jackson. Oh, so I guess not in person. Not in person, but that you've that you've watched, that you've watched in the flesh. The greatest athlete I've ever watched in the flesh. Yeah, correct. Um, hmm. I'd have I would s- say I would say for me, I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. I would probably say either Lionel Messi, LeBron James, 
or Kobe Bryant. Okay. I I like I like all those takes. Yeah. I like all those takes. I can get behind all of them. I I see no need to explain further as to why we would pick any of these. So let's move on to the next question. Um okay. Next question. Uh blank is the play you never got to see play but wish you did. For me that is easy. I'm going for Jack Nicholas. Yeah, no. Tom Seaver is that's fan homer. Listen, I mean, I could go with I could go with a lot. Of, uh, Joe Montana would probably be one of them. I would love to have seen been able to see him play. Uh That's true. Wilt Chamberlain. That's another good one. Uh and maybe maybe in prime Michael Jordan. Oh man, that would have been cool. That would have been something. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying Wayne Gretzky. To Wayne Gretzky, yeah. Well, in I prime did see, Wayne Gretzky. I, I did see Wayne Gretzky play. I was at his last game. Really? Yes, I was. I'm gonna say against yeah against the Penguins when they lost two to one in overtime. I'll say non Rangers Wayne Gretzky. So. Okay, so Edmund Edmonton Oilers Wayne Gretzky. Well, I would say the Kings. He was also good when he was on the Kings and the Blues. That's true. Okay, before right, I was fair. alive, Wayne Gretzky. Okay, that's fair. Uh, okay, number eleven. We have uh, two more. Outside of sports, blank is someone you always wanted to meet. And I would I'm gonna go ahead and say the president of the United States. And not not anybody specific, but just the president of the United States. Yeah, that's actually not a bad pick. Yeah, it, it could be it could be Obama. Like I'd be cool with meeting Obama. I'd be Me cool too. with meeting Trump. Yeah. I'd be cool with meeting neither of them. You meet you're meeting the president of the United States. That's true. That's awesome. This is kind of like one of those things like Pick a pick a famous like who would you have dinner with like if pick a famous person to have dinner with, it's kind of like that question. That's true. That's very true. Hmm. A famous person outside of sports I would like to meet. I mean, there would be a language barrier, but uh, the founder of Nintendo or one of the main people at Nintendo, Shigeru Miyamoto, who created Mario and uh, the Legend of Zelda, I would love to meet him. But I mean, I I would need to bring a translator. Because I don't, think, I don't know if how how well he speaks English, but uh, he would be amazing to just pick his brain about or, design decisions and things like that. Or you just learn a lot of Japanese, or that. That's too hard. Uh, arigato, arigato, komisai. Konnichiwa. Yeah, that's how you never be able. That's how you ruin your one chance to meet someone. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. that's the way I that's the way I was in Japan. I I try I tried my best. To not be this that American, but they were they were all they were all very very nice. I actually I loved Japan. Japan was awesome. It's funny because you know when you go to a lot of foreign countries, a lot of the people there, if you go to like the mainstream places, a lot of the people there speak English. Oh oh yeah yeah no doubt. I mean when we were when we were there when we were in uh, when we were in Tokyo the first couple of days that we were there, uh, they had the uh, the rugby world, rugby World Cup going on. So you had the Aussies that were there. You had the All Blacks that were around. You had the English that were around the Irish, so it was it was hopping, it was it was definitely hopping. All right, so what's the next question? So, the last question. Blank is the first thing you'll do when life gets back to normal. <laughs> I saw somebody on Twitter a couple weeks ago say that once this coronavirus thing is over, they're going to go out and lick every single subway pole that they <laughs> that they come across. I mean, whew. I mean, well, first of all, I'd like to, I would like to premise this by saying uh, 
life is still pretty normal. Like I'm still I'm still working, I'm still making my podcast, I'm still doing my shows. So life really hasn't changed all that much. It's just the uh, you know, what do I do with my spare time when I do have some? That part of course has not changed, has changed a whole hell of a lot. Um what will I do when life gets back to normal? Um I'll probably go to a bar. It wouldn't be the first thing that I would do, but but probably going out to eat would probably be, would be up there. Yeah, yeah, like, like going out, going out to eat, or and getting a getting a drink at somewhere is not in my own home. Which, by the way, I have, I have not had a drink in uh, thirty plus days for uh, for Lent. I gave it up, and uh, next Friday is when I am off the hook and I am uh, ready to I'm ready to drink again. Well, good for you. Yeah, I am, I am as sober as a whistle. I don't know if that analogy really worked, but hey, whatever. Yeah, no, I didn't really. I've never heard that uh, idiom before in my life, but whatever. Well, you just, you just you heard it now. Just did. Just made it up right off yeah. the cuff because you're a radio professional. Because I am a radio professional. So, yeah, for me, definitely going out to eat. I probably, if, like, when I see my friends again in person, I probably, like, like hug them for a bit. Just like, I, this sucks. <laughs> I hope this never happens again. Yeah, no kidding. Thank God you're thank God you're okay. Probably hug my grandma next time I see her. Oh yeah, that's another thing too. It was like I I like, I want to go see I want to go see like my family so bad, but it's like you know, you you, you can't. Yep. You can't. There so. are a lot of things that I would do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But the, the most important thing right now is that everybody uh, continues to stay safe. Continues to. Uh, self-isolate, stay away from others, and uh, continues to uh, live in this uh, wonderful world that we're, uh, we are so lucky to be a part of, our little, our own little humble abode. Well, I'll tell you, I hope that, we, that you bring more fill-in-the-blank questions, because that was actually a very fun exercise to do, and I wish that we, it wasn't like crammed at the end there, because that was really, it was really cool. It was, it was a big fan, so. Well, I'm, well, look. That was a wonderful exercise. I am very, very glad that we did it. And again, thank you to everybody that submitted those questions because that was absolutely wonderful and we need all the content that we can get. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Basement Talk Podcast. You can find The Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the name is just The Basement Talk Podcast. So pretty easy stuff for that. And next week, we are going to be bringing the same sort of content with you where we're going to be talking not just about football, but sports in general, maybe get into a little discussion about pop culture and everything else in between. So for my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor. Stay safe, stay at home, and we'll see you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Ciao, Bella. <laughs>